Welcome to the Impact Blueprint Podcast. Prepare for compelling conversations, actionable advice, and those aha moments that create leaders. Here's your host, Dave Brown. All right, everybody. I am so glad you joined us today for our episode of the Impact Blueprint Podcast. I have got an amazing guest today on the show, somebody that's become a good friend of mine. And I have to tell you, probably one of the most connected, bright minds in the tech and integration field at this time. And so I'm excited to introduce you to my friend, Brian Calake. How you doing, Brian? I'm good. And points for saying the last name right. It's like we're friends or something. <laughs> I got it right. So, hey, right. And, <laughs> it, so let's get the important stuff out of the way. You're up in uh, Michigan, I know, right? Up in the Midwest. Yes. All right. So, so if you, you know, me being a sports fan, are you, uh, are you a blue, blue and gold or are you a green? Oh, dude, Fan. dude, blue maze all day, all day. We are a Michigan, we are a U of M house, uh, and we had okay. we them for like for life. So uh, we're not bandwagon fans. We were there for some of the darker games, and we're still there for the light games. So it's good. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe off off uh, offline, we'll talk a little sports and uh, about the uh, the Spygate going on up oh, there. Man, that is that's the running joke everywhere in my neighborhood right now. Just know that it's giving everybody a good life. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So we'll get into that, but uh, let's, let's just jump in if you don't mind. How's sure. that sound? Sounds good, man. All right. So I met Brian a couple of years ago. Uh, I was working on, or in the coaching space, I was trying to build out or figure out how to build out a, a kind of lead gen system, CRM, et cetera. And again, I'm talking at the layman's level, but as a coach, I knew that I needed a system. I didn't know how to go about it, couldn't find one on the shelf. And so I was introduced to you, Brian, uh, by another good friend. And, and because of that, you were able to start me down the path utilizing something called Go High Level that most people know about by this time, I would think. Yeah, I would, I would think so. We're past the point of it's new. I mean, I mean, you would think not everybody does, but yeah, a lot of people have white labeled versions of high level. Um, it's, yeah. it's the same thing, but yeah, it's a phenomenal app. It replaced about $1,100 a month in technology just for me personally. So. Wow. That's pretty cool. So first let's explain what you do as an integrator, because I think that's, that's important. Sure. So yeah, let's talk integrator because everybody has a different definition of it. The first time I heard the name was actually in, um, Gino Wickman's book, Traction. Uh, he talks about an integrator living between marketing and sales, operations and finance. Um, I found in the, the business landscape for most coaches, consultants and service based business providers right now, uh, an integrator is, yes, the person that lives between marketing and sales operations. But technology, I think, is becoming more and more pertinent to getting out of the weeds of your business like AI and automation has grown so much. And it can give you literally, quite literally, give you your life back from working in the weeds of your business uh, and having a family and a wife that is way too pretty for me that I don't want to lose. I understand the importance of like not cheating on my family with my business. And we're finally hitting the part of the point in time with AI and tools like high level and chat GPT and stuff where we can actually make something that can control critical business processes like how we close clients, how we get leads, how we retain clients. And we can automate a lot of those tedious tasks that needs to get done, but takes a lot of your time, energy, and focus to do. So I feel like right now the issue a lot of people are having isn't necessarily 
what am I going to do next? I mean, there's an idea that hits you every three seconds. There's podcasts, there's YouTube videos, there's, there's emails, there's social posts. I mean, the idea fairy is very busy right now, right? What people need right now is they need an integrator that can take their ideas and implement them into their business and see them through so they actually get the results that they wanted from the idea. They need somebody who can help them get stuff done without having to do it. Because the frustration most service business owners, coaches, consultants go through, they are the bottleneck on every project, right? Because only they know how to do it. Only they have the answers. Well, we made a process that can be done with an integrator that takes 90 minutes to two hours quarterly. And from that point on, the integrator takes over and just does what needs to, to happen, right? They, they just get it done. They're like the art of GSD, get sh done, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because they have a consistent process for implementation. So I feel like what an integrator really fixes is they fix the half-built bridge problem. They fix the implementation problem uh, because you don't need more people telling you what to do. You don't need more ideas. You just need to get the ideas you have done and see them through and make sure they're optimized in a way to get you the results you wanted from them. That's essentially what an integrator does. You, you just said it so perfectly, the idea fairy, and you're right. There's so many ideas, and I've been talking in, in a lot of my social media posts lately about you don't need more ideas. You just need to pick one or two and implement right now, and I think that's what I hear you saying. So let's break down because you, you said quite a few things. Let's unpack a few of those things. Sure. So let's take specifically somebody, small to mid-sized business owners, how do you step in and help that individual integrate and get out of their own way so that they can go do what they're good at? Good question, because a lot of people do this backwards. Okay. So depending on where you're at in the process, if you're just getting started, first off, this is the order I recommend everybody follows the path. And if they're already further on down the path, they probably already followed it and they didn't even know it until we brought up. They're like, yeah, that's pretty much what I did. Right. So First, you need to focus on if you're just getting started, you're fresh legs, you're launching a business, you're in startup mode. What you need to focus on first is just getting 10 raving fans, 10 raving fans. Okay. And I mean, if you're like by raving fans, let me define that. So MPS score, right? Or whatever you want to call it, right? Net promoter score is MPS, right? Um, you want people who you serve. And then after you serve them, they're like, I give you a nine or 10 out of 10. Okay. That is what I mean by raving fans, okay? So if you can get 10 of those people, you have proof of concept of your offer, okay? That is the first thing you need to do, systems automation integration stuff aside. Because if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what I do, what my team does for integration and automation and AI, you can't sell a turd sandwich and pretend it's a beautiful pastrami sub, okay? Uh, people will eventually figure out your sandwich tastes like poo. Okay, so you have to get that dialed in first. And it's a very ugly and it's like a sparring boxing combination type experience because you're going to have this idea. It's going to work for a little bit and then it's not. And then you have to change it. And then you're getting feedback from these people. So then you have to make updates. It is a very in the trenches boxing type experience. Okay, but once you figured it out and you know what people are paying you to fix and who's paying you to fix it and how you need to fix it, then. We talk about let's automate your acquisition system at that point. Okay. We need, so now that we know who you're serving, the problem you're helping them solve, and you have some case studies and everything is good. Now we're like, okay, how do we get more of those people 
leveraging systems and automation, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think Bill Gates said automation applied to the wrong processes is just, it's, it's a bad idea, right? Uh, it just makes bigger problems. So you got to make sure you got that first. So then you work into phase two, which is building your like client engine. How are you getting clients, right? Mm -hmm. So a basics, basic, you always start with your sales process first. Okay. So sales process, how am I booking calls? How am I following up with those calls to make sure they show up? How am I closing them? How am I dispositioning them after I close them? That's the system you need to start with, right? So because you can still be doing boots on the ground, having conversations and talking to people. So always start with your prospect system, your sales system, right? Then once you have that dialed in, you can essentially launch that system by itself. You can run organic traffic to it. You can show up at events and have people schedule calls with you. I mean, that system, one system can be enough to just take you into your first like six digit whatever, right? But eventually you're going to need to open up into colder traffic and have ways to get strangers to trust you a little bit more before they hop on a phone. That's when you'll add some type of lead system, some lead attraction system, right? And then I would say the next system after that, you're going to want some type of long nurture system or re-engagement system. So anybody who falls out of the lead or falls out of your sales system, it catches them and can follow up with them to bring them right back to where they left off. So in terms of like the foundation, once you have a proven offer, I would say some type of sales system, some type of lead attraction system, and some type of re-engagement system. And this does not have to be complicated. It can be very simple. Uh, but those are the foundational three that I feel yeah. the people should start with. And those three systems can take you to probably seven figures, just those three systems. Nice. So let's kind of jump ahead then. So we've got people that are listening to this that they've already they've already done that. They you know they've been able to keep all the fingers in the dam. How do you help that next kind of that next level that you know that that person making anywhere from let's just kind of say two to three hundred and above. Um, sure. They've got a good business going, but they've also kind of got like a like a you know a snake by the tail, and and they're trying to figure out how to grow it and get out of the way. So how do you jump in and help them grow? Well, the only way you get out of the business is you got to find people to do what you're doing, and the only way you're going to have people do it eighty percent as good as you can do it. That's kind of my metric. If somebody can do it 80% as good as I can, no one's really going to know the difference, but right? So for everybody that was like me as a control freak, like, oh, it's never going to be as good as me. You're right. They don't own the place, right? So you are absolutely right. But if it's 80% as good as you, that's they're right where they need to be, okay? So in order to get people to that point, you need to get organized. You need to have systems. You need to have documentation. You need to have things happening. So when you hand the reins to somebody, they know exactly how to do it the way you want it done. Right. Um, and that is where we kind of pick up with those people. We're like, OK, what's our focus for 90 days? There's four ways you can grow your business. OK, you can acquire more people. You can increase purchase frequency. You can keep them longer and you can make them worth more money. Right. In other words, if you want to make it simple, get more of them, keep them longer. Right. So which lever do you want to pull? And let's focus on that over the next 90 days. What processes do we need to get organized according to these levers? Right. Mm -hmm. So most people, we start with the acquisition, like I said. So we would just walk them through what do you need to happen here? What do you need to happen here? We make a blueprint. We put it in technology to make it easy to use, not complicated. And then mm -hmm. most importantly, we put a scoreboard on everything so they can look at a scoreboard and know what's working and what's not according to data. So then when you have to have an awkward conversation with a teammate about, you know, dropping the ball on something, you can come to them with data. It's not you versus them. 
it's them versus them. Like, this is your data. You're causing this to happen. So what's going on, right? And now you don't have to be a helicopter boss or a helicopter owner because you can just check the scoreboard every week and you know what's going on and check the bank account, obviously, as your secondary checkup, right? Um, But it's one of those things where that's kind of the system a lot of those people at that level need. They're like, I need to make my people's jobs easier. I need to make the client experience more consistent. And I need visibility to know if something's broken or not. So I'm not losing sleep at night because I'm not in the weeds anymore like I used to be. Yeah. And so what do you say to the to the client that that and I'll use me as an example. So there because there's a lot of those kind of people. Um, I have an idea of what I need or what I want. I want more clients. I want more interaction on social media, but I don't know how to push the buttons. And I don't when I have to sit and figure out how to push buttons, it, it my mind shuts down. Put me in front of a room of people. Wonderful. I'm happy. I'm excited. Do you build out a, a, a system from scratch for them? Um, do you just take whatever CRM they're using or how do you help them, uh, you know, at that level? So first we, I mean, we work with people who use high level just out of the gate. So if they're not yes. open to using it, I won't because mm-hmm. that's how we built everything in a scalable way. But more importantly, it helps people simplify their tech costs. So like, Less tech is happier team is happier individuals, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a tech guy, but you don't want a ton of tech. Less is better, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's why I just do, we're just using high level. And if they don't want to do it, that's cool. We just don't work with them um, because mm-hmm. we've just got it down using high level and I'm not going to rock. But eventually we might bring in some other platforms. But right now, because um, Dan Kenny calls that the weakness of one, but right now uh, high level is working great. So we're going to keep doing that. Um, and then, yeah, we would sit down and we would say, hey, are you focused on acquisition right now? Which most people in the startup phase or in the beginning phases are, right? As you should be. Don't move into retention stuff until you really get acquisition element. Because if you have no one to retain, it doesn't do you a service to get your retention stuff figured out. Like, just fulfill however you need to fulfill, but like, let's get your acquisition dialed in, right? Um, so dialing in acquisition, yeah, we would just, we would get into high level. We would install the foundational three or four systems they would need. Uh, we would train them and their team on how to use it, which can be used in three steps per day. It's very easy. We call it the daily three. Um, and then all they do is they just do their jobs and let technology take the stuff over that they hate, like lead follow-up. We use AI for that now. Um, you know, The only things they really have to do is take the calls, have the conversations, and then hit the right easy button and move on with their day. Um, the goal is to make a system that doesn't feel like work. I don't want to teach them how to use high level. I just want to teach them how to get to one spot and how to use that one spot, because then it's not a pain in the butt chore for them to use the technology. Yeah. Tell me what you mentioned an easy button and you, you kind of hit it on the head. Um, You described the typical person that I want to be talking to people. I want to be making sales. And then I just have to push an easy button to update something. What is that? Yeah. So easy button is, uh, it started as a joke with one of my old mortgage clients I built stuff for. Uh, They're like, I don't know how to do that. Can you just make buttons? I can just hit a button that says this and it, all that stuff happens. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I think I can. So easy buttons and high level is just a, it's a collection of radio fields that are labeled where a monkey could understand what's going to happen. So we teach them how to get to the contact window in high level because the contact window looks the same on mobile as it does desktop, right? Mm. So if they know how to get to the contact window, they know where the easy buttons are. They can have conversations. They can book appointments. They can see what tags they have so they know who they are and what they've done. Like all those questions can be answered by getting to the window, right? So the first thing you have to understand about easy buttons is they're in one spot and that is the home 
location. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is teach your team, just get to this window and you can do anything you want from this window, right? Because before that, we had people going to the opportunities tab and then go into the contact window and then go into the workflows. And then they, dude, they didn't build the system. They don't know. You're already lost. You're already lost, right? So you have to make your system usable from one window before you even get into easy buttons. That's the first step, okay? Then we literally built buttons that tell them exactly, hey, what happened? I don't know. Read the buttons. Did they not show up to this call? Hit the button that says didn't show up to discovery call. Hit the button that says I didn't close them. Hit the button that says they showed up uh, and they need follow-up. Hit that button. Like you just, you label the buttons where they understand what they mean. So when something happens, they don't have to remember what tags to give and what stages to move them in and what workflow. Just hit the dang button and hit save. And like the minute you show them that, they're like, oh my God, it's so easy. I'm like, yes, right? Uh, that's what you want. And we even built fail safes in, Dave, for the people who forget to hit buttons. We send them a text message like 24 hours later that's like, hey, what happened with Mrs. Smith? And they just click the button in the text message and go back to their day. So like that, again, it has to be usable. It doesn't matter how great the system is. If it's not usable, it's wasted energy. Absolutely. Well, you you know, what's what's the saying when you're writing content and so forth? They always say, write that content at what, eighth to a 10th grade level. Sales and content, they say third to fifth grade even. Yeah, it's even wow. like, yeah, it converts better. Social posts, they say third to fifth grade. Sales copy, no higher than a sixth grade is, is what I've been told from really top copywriters. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of scary. So then taking that a little bit higher for people, then an easy button connects to the a status which connects to an automation, I'm assuming. Yes, it's the automation that handles everything you would need to happen. So the contact database stays clean, processes don't get missed, and things happen the way you want them to happen. So if you click a button and hit save, we can move an opportunity in a pipeline, we can give a tag, we can remove tags, we can add them to certain messaging, remove them from other messaging that no longer applies. The sky's the limit. But the thing is, is you didn't have to tell them about any of that. You just tell them to hit the button, right? Hit the button. Uh, and all that stuff happens automatically, as I like to say. Um, it's like the quote, it was a happy accident when I put those into my system because they're just like, everybody was raving about them because they would always forget what tag to add or they would forget, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, just hit the button, dude, you know? <laughs> I like it. Just hit the button. So let's talk about, I think you've you've really drilled down on that and, and you've made it easy for people that don't understand. Now, you also are dealing in, with people at a higher level on a SaaS account, let's say, that has a, somebody that works full-time in their company in tech and so forth. You'll work with them to help build and scale as well, correct? Yeah, because that's, a, I mean, it's a totally different monster. The principles are the same. But you kind of have to build the double-decker taco when you're doing anything with SaaS. SaaS means software as a service or software with a service or anything where you have clients using your version of high level and stuff needs to work. Because essentially you have like the crunchy inside taco, which is like the, the snapshot that all your clients are using. But then you have the soft shell on the outside that is like that is what controls the selling of that hard sell taco, right? How do we sell it? To clients, how do we onboard the clients? How do we get them to use the technology? Because uh, that is a, an entirely different animal than um, just you using your own sub account for your own purposes, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot more layers to that, and there's a lot you have to move a lot slower usually uh, because there's a lot more consideration of adaptation. 
Uh, you have to get your clients to adapt to certain things and you have to make sure they comprehend it and you have to make sure they're using it. Uh, so you have to move a little bit slower a lot of times when you're working with SaaS companies versus like the coach consultant or mortgage person or, or you know, insurance guy or whoever's using high level. Okay. And not to, not to go backwards, but I just want to make sure I've clarified. Do you, for, for somebody listening that might say, Hey, I just want to plug into an existing go high level account. Do you have a, a product on the shelf that you've built that, that you provide and, and like sell to people as a sub account and help them manage? Or do you prefer to just build an account, a, a platform out for them individually? So, so we do yeah. have some people that will come in. We'll just give them the account with some of the extra tools hooked in. Mm. Um, but we don't really have any snapshots or anything like set up in the account okay. um, because everybody snapshots are fine if you're just getting started. But yes. you're going to find the issue with snapshots is you're going to buy a snapshot from person B and it's going to follow certain rules the way it's built out. But then you're going to mm -hmm. buy a snapshot from this other guy that fixes this other problem. And then you're going to put it in the same sub account and then wires are going to get crossed. Messages are going to get sent to the wrong people. And you have to spend hours and hours unwiring the snapshots to rewire them. So they speak the same language. Right. So that's why I don't like just like snapshot hoarding and duct taping. Right. Yes. Uh, oh, I bought a snapshot. I bought a snapshot. That's great. But if they follow different frameworks, you're just creating more work for yourself. So I recommend people like, yeah, start with high level. We have some basic systems we import for people like compliance systems for A2P and handling email unsubscribes and privacy policies and things like that that we need to have for every account, right? Um, but then beyond that, it kind of depends on what the person really needs. Uh, some people do consultation things. Some people do more info sales or they sell courses uh, and, and, you know, coaching groups small group coaching, the groups that are virtual, that's going to be a little bit different of a sales process. So to just give everybody the same, the same snapshot, it, it may not be your best bet if you have a very specific way you want things to happen. Right. Makes sense. Um, okay. We have like the basics of things built out. We have them built out in compartments. So we figure out what compartments people need and then get them into the account in the right order and connect them. But then we get in and then we customize it to fit what they need. Right. So we're not necessarily starting over every time. But we're we're at a starting point where we can just implement faster for them because they don't have to yes. figure out the basics of things. Okay, makes total sense. Um, love that. All right, so now that we've clarified that, let's talk about boots on the ground. I know you have had a lot of success over the years, and you you previously you used all of the things we're talking about to build and scale businesses in the gym or the fitness arena, correct? Yeah, we did a lot of fitness. That's where I came uh, from before. That's... I was a true integrator, right? Because we, we came from uh, like Frankensteining apps together to run our gyms uh, for like a <laughs> decade. So we had like, you know, oh ClickFunnels and Active Campaign and Scipio and Zapier and like, oh my God, dude, like it was so much, you know? Uh, so yeah, I did come from that space and uh, I'm glad I did because I feel like if you make it in that space, it's highly competitive. Uh, if you make it in that space, you know, you, you, you're definitely on something. So Absolutely. So let's talk about helping me understand the layout of a sales funnel. Yeah. And I'm going to pose the question this way. I know a lot of people will say, hey, I need to get a sales funnel created. Can you create a sales funnel for me? And there's more to it than just, hey, here's a here's a skippy Jiffy sales funnel. So <laughs> kind of walk through the, the mindset of, of 
the salesperson out there, whether it's a real estate agent, a mortgage person, somebody selling roofing, any of just a, a standalone or a small solopreneur business, and they want to build some landing pages and funnels. Can you talk us through how how is the mindset and what do we need to be doing to be effective with those those applications? So it's a skyscraper. It takes forever to build the foundation. And once the foundation's built, all of a sudden the building just like appears and you're like, holy crap, the rest of it was fast, right? Um, if people, and this goes back to kind of step one, you need to have an offer that people already want because offer is king. You can have what's called boiled chicken sales copy, right? Just like a bunch of gobbledygook on a page. But if the offer is good enough, people will still click add to cart, right? Or people still click book, book call. So offer is the king in the sales copy. Don't think you can out copy a crappy offer. Although I do know some phenomenal copywriters, but the first thing they do is they work with your offer first before they start writing copy for it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you haven't picked up Alex Hermosi's hundred million dollar offers book, like that is probably one of the most complete, um, books I actually, um, so that's what I recommend for offer creation. Once you have the offer, you know who it's for and the pain it's fixing and your unique way of fixing it. Because it's easier to prove you're different, it's harder to prove you're better, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to sound different. You need a different mechanism. It doesn't mean change the way you fulfill. It just means take a part of your fulfillment process and just make it sound different than what everybody else does. Um, Mad Men, that one episode where they're working with that cigarette company, and they're just like, everybody toasts their tobacco. He's like, yeah, but they're not marketing it, right? So like their their big marketing push was it toasted right? Because it's it sounds toasted. different from yes. what everyone else was talking about, right? So once you have your offer, next comes like kind of getting that hook, that unique selling mechanism, it just makes it sound different, right? Mm. Um, Joel Marion did a book, Cheat Your Way Thin. This was back when everybody thought you just had to do strict diets to lose weight. No, no, no. You can actually eat whatever the heck you want and lose weight. What? It's different. It's a hook, right? So I would say first have your offer, then figure out the hook or the big idea, unique mechanism you need to, to make it bust through the noise. Okay. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. beyond that, now you have what you need to like do your sales copy. Right. So, um, because in the process of making your offer, you're going to do your market research. You're going to do all these things that like lay that foundation. So when you get to making your sales funnel and writing your sales copy, it makes everything so much easier because you have all the information you need in front of you to write the copy. Right. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, then I would give that stuff to maybe somebody to do the sales page for you, whatever, if you wanted. Um, or there's AI that does great sales page stuff. If you have answers to those questions. Right. Um, there's also a really good book. I think it's called the 16 word sales letter. Yeah. 16 word sales letter by Elvato Albuquerque. Real thin, real thin little guy. Okay. Uh, probably the best damn sales copy book I've read in a very long time, but follow his process. It's like answering 10 questions on a sales page and you're good, you know? Um, mm. the, and once you get to the sales page, if the offer's good, the mechanism is good, the hook is good, you're going to spend 80% of your time probably on the everything above the fold. So the headline, okay. the subheadline, maybe the VSL and the, the lead, first little bit of copy. And then the rest can just be like boiled chicken. And then, okay. you know, so, so let's break that down. So would you, uh, are you talking about following kind of, of a process that's very basic, like hook, problem, solution, offer? Is that, is yeah. that a good way so, to think of it or, or how is, would, would you break it down differently? So you want a headline that's going to get attention. So like one of the best formulas, and this is Perry, I don't know if you know what Perry Belcher is. He is mm -hmm. one of the goats. 
when it comes to writing sales. He's done over a billion dollars in sales and like consumer markets with sales copy. Um, and he has a formula. It's like discover this thing that helps you get X without Y in this many days or guaranteed or your money back. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. Um, that's like a great headline formula, right? So you have formulas you can use. Um, that get the attention and tell them what they're getting and how it's different, right? And you can get this without these things that you don't want to go through, right? Um, and then the sub-headlines, you just elaborate on the headline after that. Um, you know, Automation Guru reveals nine-step formula to get stuff done without having to do it yourself. You know, mm. it just uh, it elaborates on the headline, right? And then you okay. go into the lead. And then from that point, there's so many. There's problem agitation solution copy, IDA, which is one of my favorite, attention, interest, desire, action. Um, there's, there's a million different like formulas you can use for sales copy. Elvato uses one in his 16 world sales copy book. That's great. It's just answering 10 questions. Um, don't overthink it. Um, and a sales page is part of the process. It's good to inform people what you do and how you do it. But keep in mind, if you want to make sales from that sales page, a small two to 5% of people will buy from that page. If it's a good sales page, right? Mm -hmm. Think about that. I mean, it's 95% of people aren't. So Using automation and technology, if you're smart, you're going to be following up with the people who landed on the page and didn't buy or opted in and then didn't buy. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want that built into your system to plug the holes in the leaky bucket because you're still going to find eight or nine out of every 10 sales are going to come from people who landed on your sales page and you still had a conversation with them and just resent them the link to buy. And then right there, the money in the, the gold, if you will, is in the follow-up for those 90 to 95% that didn't buy that Always. will potentially, because they had a reason in it, they had a reason to click the button. They did. And then a cat video popped up on Facebook and now they're distracted, right? Or their kid came into the room and they had to do something. It's not that they didn't want to, they right. just got distracted. Or they saw something in your copy because this is how people read sales copy. They read your promise at the top, they scroll to the bottom to see how much it is, and then they read it backwards to see why they shouldn't buy it. That's exact. I mean, they have screen recordings of this stuff everywhere. This is how people look at sales pages, right? Mm -hmm. So they look at your promise to see how it is, how it's different, see if they're interested. They go to the bottom to see how much, and then they see why shouldn't I buy this? And if they find a reason, they're gone. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you find a lot of times we're finding more and more like the more boiled chicken the copy is and just the better the promise at the top and the offer is at the bottom, the better it converts. Right? right. So it's, it's one of those things where that is how people do it. So you have to have that follow-up in place. So then if you're like, Hey, I noticed you clicked the link, but then didn't buy what, why, why did that happen? Right? Like mm -hmm. you want to have those mm -hmm. conversations. Was it something I said was a great subject line I used to one of my abandoned card emails. Right. I was like, oh, is it something I said that turned you off? I am so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And you get people who say, oh, no, it just, da, 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 da. you know what I mean? But it starts mm -hmm. that that two-way conversation. So I think now more than ever, having a sales page is good to get your thoughts organized and to get your offer yes. created and, and in a way that is presented in a way where people would want to buy it. But you're going to yes. find 90% of the people buy it from having a conversation with you. And then they go to your site and buy it because they know I like, can trust you. Now, right? Yeah. Makes total sense. Well, there's really three factors when you think about it. It's you have to have at the top of the funnel, you have to have leads, you have to have sales, and then you have to have relationship because that symbiotic, you know, circle yeah. there, you not only once you sell something to somebody, it's a lot easier to sell them 
some additional product and service versus going and getting new clients. And so that building the relationship and so everything you're talking about that you help people as an integrator, that's what you're helping them set up a system so that as an example, somebody clicks on my ad, they don't move any further. They don't even go to the cart. They just click on the ad, read through it, scroll to the bottom and say, oh my gosh, $97 up. There's a reason I don't want it. Cat video out. But you're, you're as an integrator, I don't know how to click those buttons and make that happen. That's what you're saying you do. Yeah. You set these systems up for people to capture all those eyeballs that went yeah. somewhere else then. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the systems we could do. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a system Amazing. to solve every problem. Essentially, right? This Amazing. this problem is what we call a, a abandoned cart problem. So yeah, nice. we can set up retargeting ads to find them on other platforms, remind them to come back and finish their cart. We can send them emails and texts to do the same thing. Um, there's yeah, that's one system, and that's why I always tell people one system, one solution. So if one I have system, this specific problem, I got people clicking but nobody's buying. I'd be like, well, you probably need some type of abandoned cart system. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? If you got that many clicks, it's either, well, it could be an offer problem too. But if you got a lot of abandoned carts, like you're getting the opt-in step, but they're not finishing the buy, it becomes, well, you probably need some abandoned cart follow-up, right? So we mm -hmm. would make that system for you. And that's why I said to just say, oh, you just need this. You don't know, man. You don't know what yeah. they have running because it's not a coincidence that like all my private clients are just like, I have one, my one private client booked like 75 appointments in a week, in a week for the wow. rest of the month, he's booked out. Because of something he was, because we made it so unique to how he did things, nobody else was doing that. So that's yeah. why it works, right? Um, so yeah, you need to be different. You need to be unique. And you can start with templates and stuff at the beginning. That's fine. But it needs to be in the wrapper that looks, smells, and tastes different than what everybody else is doing. Don't sound like everybody else. Okay. Makes total sense. Love it. Let's, uh, we could keep doing this forever, but let's, I want to make sure I hit this question before yeah. we end the podcast. And yeah. that is, you mentioned AI. Yeah, I know you've been a you've been an early adopter of AI, utilizing it in the technology. We had this discussion previously. So how do you see AI impacting, helping and just accelerating everything at a at a faster pace? I mean, we all know it's going to change life as we know it um, for good or for bad. I think it's going to be both because everything is good and bad. There's good and bad in mm -hmm. everything. Um. I think it's going to be here faster than the people with their heads buried in the sand want to admit. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, we have the technology to look at Google assistant right now. I mean, it can have a full conversation with people on the phone and you don't even know it's a robot. It sounds and breathes and pauses and stumbles just like a real person does. Um, it's insane. So real conversations will eventually probably be automated. I mean, imagine the ability of being able to take a bot that can talk to people and train it on 50 years of sales conversations and it's going to handle every objection perfectly because mm. it's a robot and it can process faster than us, right? I'm not saying you should do that, but it's possible. It's possible right, right now, you know? Mm. Um, the chatbots are the big thing right now that, that, are, um, that are more streamlined than they were in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so meaning like somebody, because we find a lot of people would rather text you than hop on a call. People are allergic to talking to people on the phone for some reason. So um, chatbots are great for that. So you can send somebody a text message after they opt in, but instead of just putting them in like the standard text message drip campaign, a lot of people do, mm -hmm. this bot can be programmed to ask it questions and qualify the lead and book an appointment for you via text, right? Yes. Um, and we've had huge success with that, 20 to 40% booking rates on cold traffic with conversational AI. Um, it's just insane, you know? So I think it's going to replace a lot of the legwork. Again, like, 
this comes back to giving people freedom from the weeds of the things they don't want to do. They yes. know they need to follow up. They're just not doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. you got a client that needs to get taken care of. So, so follow-up gets put on the back burner, right? Well, AI is 24-7. It follows up all the time, and it books things all the time, and it handles objections all the time. Um, so I think you're going to see it a lot in the – it's going to make businesses more accessible to people around the clock. They're not going to have to wait until somebody comes back to the office to get an answer on something, which is convenient. Right. Um, and I think that it's just going to help people better serve their clients because they can book appointments at 1030 at night. Um, right. And they can have sales conversations if they work third shift uh-huh. at four in the morning when they get off. You know, mm-hmm. um, And you as an entrepreneur don't have to be selling your soul to your business to scale it because now technology can – take care of some of that bandwidth for you. Yes. And are you seeing, have you started to see an increase or an uptick in your clientele asking for the chat bots to be installed and these, these it's, things? Because everybody's selling okay. their own chat bot now, right? And they're not all equal, by the way. Uh, everybody can tell you they have a chat bot, but uh, knowing what I know and what we had to do to, to build ours at this stage in time, and it's probably going to look any different you know, from now on. I think the biggest misconception people have is, well, I just want it. I want it to be mine. I want it in my high level account. I'm like, that's great. But if you don't have somebody full time watching that thing and making adjustments and adjusting the prompts and updating the logic and updating the technology when it updates into the system, it's an employee. AI is an employee like anything else. Marketing automation is an employee, right? Mm. You can't just set it and forget it. That is a freaking myth. It, it does not happen because your processes change, the market changes, the messaging is going to change, your offers change. And technology is constantly going to change. So you're yes. always going to have to have somebody, again, that's why integrator is so crucial. If you want to get out of the weeds, you're always going to have to have somebody managing that employee, that AI automation employee. And if you don't speak that language, you better be ready to either pay for someone who does or have them a part of your team. Because if not, it will become a free range chicken at some point in time. And yeah. it'll try to fly away and do things you don't want it to do. Yeah. Interesting. So you really need somebody who can see the full scope of what's happening in your business system-wise and make sure the AI is going to amplify those efforts and not just start fires. Because if not, AI will guarantee burn your place down if you don't have somebody that can put it in the right cage, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Okay. So that, that, uh, we could unpack that, um, for quite a bit of time, but obviously it is going to only grow. So, okay. So tell me this, can you tell everybody, how do they get a hold of you for people that have questions, would love to book a free call or a consultation or, or figure out how to work with your business? How do they work with you and get a hold of you? Yeah, they can just go to system810.com, which is my website. It's just the word system and the number's 810, so system810.com. Um, you can pretty much get a hold of me through there. Um, I would say find me on Facebook, anything else, but website is always the best because my robots control my website and my robots keep my life in order. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so if you want to get a hold of me, my robots control my schedule. So uh, that's usually the easiest way. But I also have a free community on that website. Uh, where we do weekly jam sessions and we kind of peel back the kimono, show you guys what's working, what's not right now in terms of systems and automation and scaling with that. So uh, yeah, go to the go to the website systematen.com. Uh, I would hop in the free community bare minimum because we give away some. I should probably charge for half the stuff that's in there, but it, it is what it is, man. <laughs> like, but isn't it funny as we close out the day of saying, "Hey, I'll have my person call your person." Now it's my robot will communicate yeah. with your robot, and we'll we'll get something on the schedule. We'll get something on the books. Yeah, we've done that before with people, and it is good. Yeah, I mean, 
it's uh we're not overly automated yet we're testing some new stuff to get there but yeah if you go to the website it's still pretty old school in many aspects there's still sales pages there's still calendars uh but yeah the, the chat bot we're getting ready to fire up the new chat bot here next week so we want to go in and talk with my bot you can but Perfect. Uh, yeah, we're always making adjustments. So uh, go to the website and, and have fun. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Brian, I appreciate you being on the show today. And for all of you listeners, I would appreciate it if you would uh, like and share this. And thanks for listening to the Impact uh, Blueprint podcast, where we like to interview really cool people that are impacting people's personal and business lives. And uh, with that, make it a great day.